0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our message for today comes from the Gospel reading of John, chapter 17, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you would describe yourself as a planner? In the sense that you lay out your life, the plans of your life, days, weeks, months, Maybe even years in advance. Think about your childhood. And I know that some of you listening are probably still in your childhood. But when you were younger, did you ever say to yourself something like, after high school, I'm going to go to university. And then I'm going to start my career after I graduate from university. And, and once all of those things are in place, then I'm going to marry the man or the woman of my dreams. And then we'll be together, and we're going to have a two-story house with a white picket fence. And, and then we're going to have one kid, two if it's twins, three if it's somebody else's dreams. And then we're going to have a, a cabin on the lake with a boat. And I'm going to retire at the age of 65, And I'm going to see my children and grandchildren grow up and come to the lake because that's where I'll be living then. And then I'm going to die at the ripe old age of 91 and a half. Just long enough to see three great-grandchildren. Maybe even put it all on a vision board. Any of you? Any of you had anything remotely close to that? Or at least saying something to yourself that at a certain time, at a certain point in your life, that this is where you want to be. House, marriage, family, financial stability, whatever those plans or goals were. And if so, did you get there? Obviously, that's a question for those who are older are and, are, and are at a point, at least, where some of those bigger plans have either come to fruition or not. And that's just the thing, because I mean, we can plan out what our life looks like for years to come, way in advance. But it's possible that it just never happens. Like meeting the man or woman of your dreams— Other things can change in a moment, in in the blink of an eye, because you've been diagnosed with a disease that says your chances of making it to 65 are slim, and 91 and a half is definitely out of the question, or a pandemic comes along. And you're going through your last year of high school and it was supposed to be your most glorious year ever. And you can't experience anything that was supposed to make it glorious because you can't do anything at all. I've never been someone to plan out my life years in advance. I never had a vision board. And obviously as a pastor, life can be a little different in that way. Because sometimes, planning gets interrupted. Because you lose your call to the congregation you serve. Or because you take a call and move to an entirely different country. If you asked me 10 years ago if I saw myself in Winnipeg, the answer was no. Because it it wasn't even a possibility. So that thought would have never entered my mind, let alone been on my radar. But that's also the thing about being a pastor because so much of my life, I would tell you, has been about God leading me every step of the way in every moment. When I was a kid, did I want to be a pastor? No. But everything in life led there eventually. And no, no matter how many of my plans didn't work out, how many of them changed How many of the ones that I screwed up myself? Here I am. And I'm here until God leads me elsewhere. And I have no idea what that looks like. He does. That doesn't mean the journey will be easy, that there won't be struggles and pain and hurt and all kinds of feelings and disappointments and who knows. But I can tell you that I can take comfort knowing that he already knows. But more importantly, that he's with me every step of the way. And the same for you too. And this is what brings us for the gospel for today. Jesus' whole life was all about him planning ahead. Being fully God, he knew all things that were going to happen before he was born of the Virgin Mary. Yet being fully man, he allowed so many things to happen so that he could get where he needed to be. And ultimately, that was the cross. The whole purpose of Jesus being born was so that he could die. The sinless son of God as the perfect sacrifice for sins. Because you and I, our sinners the whole world is full of sinners and what we deserve for our sin is death it's punishment it's condemnation it's hell it's being forever separated from god but that's not what god wants for us and so you look at jesus calling the disciples and you think about judas who was going to betray Jesus. And that's exactly why Jesus chose him. Because Judas was going to help make this plan come to fruition. Judas was going to be the one to get Jesus arrested and ultimately crucified. After Jesus died, he knew he would rise again from the dead three days later. Because the resurrection is the way to eternal life. It's what makes heaven possible. He told the people. He told the disciples multiple times about his death and resurrection. He taught them everything that he could while he was with them. But he also knew that they were human. And they were prone to forget. Or maybe they had just zoned out during his sermons. Maybe they had fallen asleep in the garden. Maybe they just decided not to show up with everyone else the day Jesus rose from the dead. And earlier in John, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit was going to come and teach them all things and help them remember everything Jesus had taught them. And this one is important because as we're reading the Word of God, it's just that. The word of God. Not the words of man, but the words of God. God breathed. Holy Spirit inspired. That's why we have the words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though all of the disciples were sleeping. That's why we have the words of Jesus in the gospel, in what we call the high priestly prayer. We didn't hear all of it today, but we heard some of it. But being able to hear any of it is great because we know that Jesus goes off to pray so many times by himself and most of the time we don't hear what he prayed for. Here we get this prayer and we get to know a little bit more about what Christ wants for his people. Because he knows that he is leaving this earth. He is going to die, rise, and ascend. And so he prays. He prays for the disciples. He prayed for unity. The unity that he had with the Father, he wanted for them. The unity that the disciples already had with one another, he wanted that to continue. This world is full of sin, and sin is just one thing that creates division. I mean, think about why we have so many different denominations today. Because there are so many different beliefs about God and his word and his will and his sacraments. And because the disciples were going to stay in the world, Jesus prayed for them to not be divided. He did not pray that they would be taken out of the world because he knew they had work to do. They were going to be his messengers on earth to carry the good news of Jesus Christ across the world. And that was going to start at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come. And it was coming soon. They needed to stay in the world. And while in the world, Jesus prayed that they would be kept safe from evil. From the evil one. From Satan. Because sin and Satan both want to create division and lead people away from Christ. Jesus prayed that they would be sanctified in the truth, the truth of God's word. He wanted them to be made holy, which of course happens through his death and resurrection. And he wanted them to be set apart, to live in the world, but not of the world, just as he was not of the world. Your life looks a little bit different when your life is lived, not for yourself like the world lives but for other people, for Christ, when you live selflessly and sacrificially. Again, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And that's why it's good to be reminded that Christ prays for them, because he knows it's not going to be easy for most of them, because most of them are going to be put to death because they lived for Christ. And then Christ prays for those who will believe in him because of the disciples spreading the word to the world. That word that has been spread for centuries and has reached our ears. Christ is praying here for us. And above all else, he wants us to be with him where he is. He wants all of us to be saved To be with him in heaven. To look him in the eyes. To see his nail-scarred hands and feet. To know of his great love for us. The love that he had before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Christ loved you before the world was ever made. He loved you before you were ever created. Which means that he knew one day you We're going to be born. And in order for you to have life, the life that he wants for you, eternal life, he knew that the only way for that to be possible was for him to come into this sin-filled, fallen world and die. So when we talk about plans, God knew Jesus was going to have to come. And he planned accordingly. Or as Paul writes in Galatians 4, Christ came when the set time had fully come. Jesus dies, he rises, he ascends, and he sends the Spirit. And now Jesus who prays this high priestly prayer, he is our great high priest as Hebrews tells us. He is our great high priest because he made the final sacrifice for sins, for the sins of all people as he sacrificed his life for us. He opened the doors to heaven. He shed his body and his blood for us. And as the temple curtain is torn in two at his death, he gives us all direct access to God. And just as he prayed for us here on earth, he intercedes for us in heaven, as Paul tells us in Romans. He still speaks for us on our behalf to his heavenly father, who is our heavenly father. And in the same chapter, we see that the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us to speak in us and through us. So what does this mean for us? We put the words of Hebrew 4, Hebrews 4 into practice. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's a few things I'll tell you about myself that maybe you can find helpful or applicable in some way to your life. I don't know about you, but I don't always know what to pray for or how exactly to pray for anything and everything, what words to use sometimes. I would also tell you that I'm not necessarily the best prayer in the world. I am by no means perfect. I don't even know that I'm a good prayer. But I've known people in my life who I would probably call prayer warriors. They will pray anywhere, anytime, for anyone. And while I can do that, It's not something that I have inside of me naturally. It's taken time to get to the point of even saying to someone when they're telling me all the things that are going on in their life to be like, let's pray now. And there's a number of things as a pastor I've refrained from doing because I didn't want to draw attention to myself by my outward actions. But as I've grown and matured a little bit, and God has worked in my life, leading me to this point, I've come to realize that these outward actions are not about me or me and anyone else. It's about me and God. If people see me doing it, they see me doing it. If they don't see me doing it, they don't see me doing it. Now, I'm not telling you this to try and draw attention to myself. I don't want to be like a hypocrite on the street corner doing things so that everyone can see me. I'm telling you so that you'll understand the purpose of our outward actions. Prayer is one of those things. It's not about me and anyone else, it's about me and God. And prayer, as we think about it, for those who have been in worship the last couple of years, you may have noticed something more recently, and maybe you didn't, right? Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. I always pray before service. I pray before a sermon, but I would just do it where I was at, whether I was standing, whether I was sitting, wherever. But now, I will come to the altar of Christ. I will kneel, and I will pray. Sometimes it's before anyone arrives. Sometimes it's right before the service begins, and sometimes it's right before the sermon. same too with my family. I prayed for them every night. But now I do it every time, every night before I go to bed. I will go right outside their rooms and I will get on my knees and I will pray. And the knees is important in both of these cases. Because you see many instances in the Gospels where people kneel kneel before Jesus and present their requests to him. With honor and respect and reverence, they kneel before Christ. And then Paul tells us in Philippians that Christ, our great high priest, has been exalted, that at his name, every knee should bow. The only reason we kneel before Christ, like when we come to him in prayer, is because he is worthy of being knelt before. In all that we say, in all that we do, we come before Christ in humility and in confidence, in our time of need for forgiveness, for our family, for ourselves, at all times, for all things. Knowing that he hears us and he answers us. And knowing that he is working in us and through us, along with the Holy Spirit, to live our lives of faith for him so that we can be where he is. Which is exactly what he prayed for. And if you didn't know it, his plans